Hello everyone, my name is Washara Thande and this is the Ubunifu podcast. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Today I have a very special guest. Her name is Wejimo Duba. Is that how you pronounce your name? Yes, it is. <laughs> you got it right, you got it right. Yeah, because I know you want us, you usually want people to pronounce it, the, well, you don't want me to pronounce it the Kikuyu way because you have such high standards for me. <laughs> no, but friends, can we just actually take a minute to say that your Kikuyu, you need to give yourself props for your Kikuyu. Bro, okay, I'll give myself props. Yes, ish, yes. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, um, her name is Werimo Duba. Um, she is an amazing person that I've known since I was probably 12 years old. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's actually been a very been long a very time. very long time. But yeah, um, do you mind introducing yourself and letting us know what you do, who you are, where you come from? Hey. Okay, not all those things, but... <laughs> <laughs> Let me speak to you here. All those things. <laughs> ah, yeah, okay, okay, let's start. Let's see if I got this. Wow, tongue do not fail me. Jetako wairimu adufa, demojiro, kumabareaga dero, nyobaya wajao, and we will... The Kikuyu finishes there. there. <laughs> I shall continue <laughs> the rest in English. Um, I am a human being um, nice. living and based in Nairobi, Kenya. Wow. As of right now. As of yes, Nairobi. <laughs> and guess what? She's living and prospering in that Nairobi. We're trying. Nekogedia, <laughs> please. One day at a time. <laughs> Yes, um, and one of the things that I do is that I run um, an Instagram platform called Wejo Kenya that, um, what, shares snippets of Kenyan music history. Um, Mm. And so, yeah, that's one of my many interests. I would say that I'm an overall creative. Hey, Um, tell me about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's me. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for that intro. Um, so the one question I'm going to ask is, as a creative, why why did you start Virgil Kenya? Okay, so, sorry, I didn't introduce Virgil Kenya that nicely. But basically, <laughs> as she said, Virgil Kenya is an Instagram page that she started that shares and archives Kenya's um, music, well, Kenya's musical history. So you archive history through music. Um, mm. And the reason why I find that so profound is because she's she's creating a narrative for history that's very unique who would have thought that you could archive a country's history through music but this girl is doing it and she's doing it so well <laughs> um so yeah so tell us what is Virgil Kenya what's the like what's the idea behind it because I know it's mm. your brainchild tell us yes it's my baby so um I think to kind of give a backstory to how it began, it started mm-hmm. off when I joined university. So I did my university education here in Kenya at Daystar University. And I think being in that space with the people I was um, hanging around with, sharing conversations with, I think for the first time I was introduced to like African history Mm. Um, as a whole and Kenyan history in specific in a way that I hadn't been exposed to before Um, because previously my education had been very um, white American Christian evangelical conservative (laughs) yeah oppressive in that sense which meant that I didn't know very much about who I was and so Mm. stepping into this new space and learning um, and relearning so many things and yeah. I think for me, the way it came about more tangibly is through my music, is through music because that's what I did in university. I did music. Oh, nice. And so, yeah, yeah. Funny and thing so is, I, th- I don't think I knew that. I thought you did oh, something you like history. I thought you did history in university. But I think oh. that's just me drawing conclusions because of Radio <laughs> Kenya. I'm like, ah, she probably just did history. I so you did something. music. Wow. I did. I did music. Wow. I did music. So I think even just like analyzing my experience, um... I think I only did one class in my entire four years of university mm. education. It was one class that specifically focused on like African music. Oh, and nice. like, how do you even, for one year, one class in four years, how do you even begin to unpack? <laughs> even Kenyan, even Kenyan music by itself, itself yeah, that's is, true. Is, would be impossible, let alone like African music. So I just kind of knew yeah. that. 
for me in that context there's like a disparity between what i was learning and what was my like lived experience because a lot Mm. of what our curriculum was based was very western and i'm like i'm not gonna be in a matatu listening to like beethoven or like mozart or when i go to the kiosk to buy like milk from the mama i mean it's not gonna be (laughs) that's playing in her kiosk you know so i'm like how can i like bridge that gap and like make it more Mm. accessible because i think i was noticed that a lot of my friends were in a sense didn't know much about kenyan history or kenyan music history or even know where to begin to start looking for like information so that's kind of how it started Oh, yeah, we were many of us. Hey, let me you tell you. me, I didn't know. Hey. I was like, now where do I start? The guys, you went, where? Yeah. Like, I remember when you started Radio Kenya, because you started it around, in tw- like, around this time in 2020. Well, not this time, because the podcast was released at this time, but, like... <laughs> yeah, it actually began October well, like, 2019. Yeah. Oct- October of mm. 2019. Imagine. Are you serious? I mean, all this time, I thought it started after BLM. No. <laughs> But then, I mean, I think when BLM came, that's when I was, like, seeing even more, like, intersections and yeah. connections, and, you know. Yeah, and even yes. more reason. Uh, okay. Before, I don't want to go on a tangent, but let's just go off on okay. this tangent. Um, do you feel like BL, the, BL, the BLM process kind of, like, amplified your work? I think so. I think so, because I think that's yeah, also like whole, when a lot of, like, because a lot mm. of people are now going back into history and saying that, um... The history that we've been taught, by and large, is the one that has been dictated by those who have oppressed us. So, how can we go back and readdress that? So, I think there's a lot of... I think that's possibly where maybe my work gained a lot of traction, in a sense, maybe. Yeah, yeah. and then also because I think a lot of people are doing similar work on the continent. It may not be Mm. music, but through, like, different... Um, a lot of yeah. people on the continent are readdressing historical narratives. So, yeah. Yes, that's mm. true. Mm. Yeah, well, me, me, I'll just say, it's very, very interesting. Like, see, seeing your journey has been really interesting because I've been there more or less, not from the beginning, but from yeah, the And even you were doing similar work. <laughs> I remember, like, you'd, like, share, like, historical yeah. bits. Um, and I'm like, wow, I yeah. didn't know. And I think that time you were in Mombasa. I think you were living in Mombasa. Yes. So I was like, wow, was, there's yeah. so much that I don't know. And yeah, no, you also yeah. you were also doing the thing. Yes. Yes, I was. I was doing the thing. That was back when Instagram <laughs> did not suck the soul out of me. But yes. <laughs> yeah. I did do the thing. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to highlight like that whole concept of histories and how, especially in Kenya, we don't really know much about our history. Like even me, when I was sharing those stories about... Like, I think because I moved to Mombasa mm. and because I was so, I was made culturally aware, I realized that even when I walk down a street, there's a piece of history that I will learn. And so that's why I used to share it on yeah. Instagram, you know? Just to be on random days where I'm like, out with my mom. And I'm like, yeah, here's a piece of history, yeah. guys. Yeah. Learn. Um, and so <laughs> it's, it's really interesting when we look back at, like me and you did the same curriculum. I feel yes. like that <laughs> curriculum unpacking needs a whole when, podcast when, episode when, when, friend, the violence and you see you don't even recognize the violence when you're in it it's no, like after you leave and you're you like don't. what what yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we shall discuss that i feel like we need like multiple guests mm. for that like all of us our circle all the yeah. people who've like unpacked and learned the truth more or less yeah. Um, but yeah, so so coming from like a very westernized way, system of education yeah. where we learned, like you guys, me and her can tell you who the first to the, probably the fifth or sixth or tenth president of the United States is. <laughs> we can tell you who established the United, like, we, you know, very stupid yeah. things that don't attend yeah. to us as Africans. And then when we got into university, when we got older, that's when we realized, oh, wait, there's so much history and such a richness within our own Kenyan mm. identity that we should explore. Mm. Um, and so my other question is, so what, so, okay, you've already told us how you got into your work as like archiving. Mm. You said you, it was through one of the courses you did at university. So me, my question is why first, why did you do music? And second, why did you decide to archive history through music? 
or archive musical history. That's true. Because I feel like it's both ways. <laughs> it's both ways. There's the yeah. There's like the history to music and the music to yeah, history. Tell yeah. us. So I think for me, growing up, my mom was always very deliberate about having us do extracurricular activities. And so, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. My I mom was actually, yeah. So, and I'm very grateful to her for that because I think it's expanded so much um, about who I am. My sister, I have two younger sisters, so um, mm. we basically did a lot of um, activities. So, I think music was one of those things that I did, and but for me, it was yeah. class. Um, it was classic, classically. Tra- I was, I'm a classically trained pianist, and so that's how my music. Wow. I tell you, I tell you. That's impressive. <laughs> um, so it was a lot of hard work. I think there's also been things in that interaction with music from like a classical, mm. like rigorous perspective that I've also started mm. like been having to like unpack. Um, mm. There's a lot of stuff that I've had to unlearn and unpack about my engagement with music. Um, which we can yeah. get into maybe at at another date Later. or whatever it was. But that's how that's why music. Okay. I think music by and large came easy to me. I enjoyed it. Um, and so yeah. after I finished high school, I think I took about two a year and a half, two years off just to figure out what I wanted to do in mm-hmm. in university. And so I think during that time yeah. I was teaching um, music just as a form of income, also because I enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, nice. why not pass on the skills yeah. that I have to to other children? Mm. And so, yeah. and let me just jut mm-hmm. in here and say, mind you, those skills were top notch because again, because of the <laughs> nature of the way we did our school, like our education, yeah. when we did extracurricular things, I feel like we put in so much mm. effort that we were excellent to the yeah. T. So I can imagine you as a musical teacher, you did know a lot, like you understood mm. your music, you understood how to read sheet yeah. music, how it's composed yeah. and all. I have a question. Sorry, this is again another Let's tangent. Go. But did you do? <laughs> did you do the music pacing? No, I didn't. I didn't have to. Oh, I didn't, you didn't have to. Yeah, ah. because I did ABRSM. I did ABRSM, and so instead of ah. doing the music pieces, they accepted um, like the ABRSM quality. Yeah, ABRSM. qualification. Nice. But even then, in high school, or yeah, in high school, such a high level of like understanding yeah. music and learning about music is still such a i feel like it's such a wealth of mm. knowledge well is the wealth of knowledge i think word? so i think it's a nice a good resource. yeah i think yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's right but i think also it's yeah. also understanding that the way that knowledge was put forth to me was in a very western perspective like the way i yeah. engage with music was from a very western perspective i think traditionally for most people um when you are learning like traditionally on the african continent by and large when you are learning an instrument, you'd go and sit under someone and they would be your mentor. Yeah. And so you would, mm. they would be passing on their skills to you in a way that was kind of like holistic in that you lived life with them. Yeah. And, um, so you interacted with yeah, them every way. Yeah. And, yeah. and, um, yeah, music was just generally a part of life. It was like every, yeah. every occasion, every ceremony, was marked by music it was, an it was like an extension yeah. you know which is like very yeah. different yeah. i think from like the western perspective of doing music which is like yeah i think there's like a lot of like rigorousness in a way that maybe doesn't allow for much expression like self-expression is it like self-creativity or, yeah um, it's very stuck mm. it's very like stuck is very like individualistic um is very driven on like perfectionism i don't know if like i mean not not to say that um because i feel like there's a difference between like excellence in your craft and perfectionism um and so i feel like kind of like that rootedness in like perfectionism kind of at least for me in my personal experience kind of took away the joy of like showing up to music and enjoying being in the music yeah. because there's because there's this pressure of needing to be perfect and leaning the notes Man. and following the performance directions yeah. so um i think it's also been really interesting like i said to try and kind of unpack and unlearn that. that kind of way i show up music, to music yeah. which in a sense, which so. which is which makes me wonder like does that i feel like that stifles your creativity like because yeah because okay with the very little knowledge i know about uh, western music please don't at me but 
I'm not saying you, everyone else is going to listen to this episode. <laughs> but like, from what you've explained, how it's very individualistic, it's very like, you they seek perfection. I feel like, does yes, of course, that stifles creativity in the sense that it doesn't give the musician the ability to, you know, express and find different ways of navigating that piece mm. of music. Like, the way Beethoven has been played the same way since it was, well, since he started composing music till now, yeah. which is what, over 200, yeah. or, I don't know, probably 100, I don't know, when, when did, whenever, whenever Beethoven existed. <laughs> but, like, I mean, yes, there's a beauty of that continuity of, like, wow, this is a classical piece of music and it should be played a yeah. certain way. But I feel like there's very little mm. room to... It's classical, but let us let me add my personality into it. Let me add my own creativity yes. to it, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and is, is yeah. that is that what yeah. you're saying? Is is it like, did you find it difficult during like your classical music training and then now transitioning into being a teacher within the African setting in Kenya, teaching young people, and then getting to a point of now understanding and learning about Kenyan history and s- history through, well, Kenyan musical history, and then seeing that... Yeah. Um, Kenyan music was passed on very casually. You sit down under a mentor, you listen to their music, and how, and then also understanding how music was an extension of our lives, whether it was through the different mm. rituals that we did traditionally, whether it was even just celebrations. Like, me and you mm. share the heritage of being Kikuyu, and in Kikuyu culture, yeah. there was specific music that was played for specific times of life. From yeah. the day a baby is yeah. born till yeah. the day they die. Like, there's very specific mm. roles. Um... And I don't know where I'm going with this question, but yeah. in terms, so have you been able to explore all those things in terms of like your African and uh, and Kikuyu identity? Do you feel like that has supplemented how you interact with, with yourself? I play. Yeah, okay, yeah, how you play, but then also and, interacting and with yourself, music. yeah, as a person. I think so, definitely. I I definitely think that. Um, it feels really good to know where you where where you come mm. from and the people that have gone ahead of you. I think there's a level of like pride of like self assurance mm. of of joy mm. that comes from seeing like this is the legacy I've come from. Um so there's been a lot of joy in mm. that and knowing that no one can take that away from mm, me. You know, true. once you know your own history, no one can take that away yeah. from you. Um, and I think you just walk through the world more as a, a more empowered individual. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think for me, it's also been how that's also related to my music is that now I'm in a space where I'm I'm creating music for myself because I think in the past, it's either been creating, playing music for like a recital, yeah. playing music for an exam, playing music for another person and not really for you, for myself, yeah. for me. Um, so I think maybe that's kind of what this process of Veggie Kenya has been mm. is now doing things for myself mm. and um, enjoying the f- the joy in that. Oh, enjoying the joy in that. I don't need yeah. that. <laughs> yes. But just, you know. Um, but I think it also, I, I'm really interested to see how my research mm. will inform like my praxis in terms of like my actual tangibility yes. of sitting on the piano and yeah. playing. Um, I think that will be really interesting to us explore. I'm also not rushing that process mm. and allowing it to unfold organically mm. as as organically as it can mm. be. Um, but I think that's kind of how my work so far um, has slowly begun to seep into like um, my playing, okay. my playing of, of of and creating of music. Wow, that's really wow. Um, okay. Um, which reminds me, when you said that you're um, that mm-hmm. you're trained as a classical musician, do you know who was trained like yeah. a classical mu- musician, a very significant woman in Black American history? Nina Simone. Yeah, this is Nina Simone. I love Nina Simone. Like every day, like every day. I kid you not. She's actually because I love jazz. I think I've also I love jazz. I've come to love jazz. Um, and so for me, it's been so cool the way I see how she's like incorporated like her classical yeah. music background with like folk music because mm. she includes like a lot of like folk, um, black, black American, American music, yeah. music and then jazz into her, into her creating. Yeah. And just Nina Simone is such Man. a badass person. It's Man. like, yeah. And you know, it's so funny cause I didn't even realize this till I watched, um, I think I watched her documentary on Netflix and I was like, damn. 
this woman mm. was was a trained classical pianist. She used to, and also like the history of how she used to like literally walk across the ra- railway track, go to a white woman's house, yeah. and be taught how to play music. And even then, she felt so yeah. out of place because one, she was dark. Okay, yes, she was African, but yeah. she was really dark. She had very prominent mm. African features. And mm. yeah, she just didn't feel like she belonged. She didn't belong in the white space. She didn't belong yeah. in the black space because she was a basically. I don't want to use this word, but I'm gonna be like Dr. Umar over here. But she was a coon. <laughs> yeah. In terms of her creativity, mm. like she, um, her creativity mm. was molded into a white, um, mm. into the white standard. And then as she grew yeah. older, she slowly she broke out of that shell, and she was able to fully embrace mm. herself. And you see that obviously yeah. in her music and how, she, like as you've said, she's able mm. to incorporate folk music, jazz music, which I feel like jazz music is an extension of black culture anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's that's really profound, and I'm so glad. It's so it's so interesting once you like start learning history and you recognize some figures that significant figures that exist, and you're like, wow, I see myself in that person. Mm. Because for you, I don't know about mm. you, but me, I see you in her. <laughs> if that makes sense. Wow, what a chance. <laughs> the compliment of the year please people who are listening this is how to compliment me guys this is how this is the energy thank you so much because i deeply admire nina oh i'm so glad but it's and but it's so true because not only like how you express like your research and history on where joe kenya but then also the things you do with your hair where more please i love you so much i i honestly wish like i've been seeing your your jewelry um series on like the yeah, on twitter and i'm just like this girl yeah. and the thing is you take the fullness of the african identity because okay not gonna lie kikuyu culture doesn't have much you can do with hair it's just either you cut it off yeah. <laughs> or yeah. yeah but like how you explored mm. the continent and the different types of ways hair ha- yeah do you mind explaining that relationship between hair and your music i feel like there's no relationship but there could yeah. be a relationship <laughs> let's make it happen there is <laughs> There is a relationship because first and foremost, I think one of my favorite quotes, um, Nina Simone sings it um, in her song um, or she o- uses it in an opening monologue in one of her songs called Sunday in Savannah. And then I think even Lauren Hill has a song um, with this, with these, with this word, with these words, everything is everything. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, um, my work the more I engage with it, the more I see how it's connected. Yeah, like everything is connected. Is, yeah. Everything is connected. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think how I have drawn that parallel is when I'm looking at like a mus- um, a photo of a musician from a Kenyan musician from like the seventies, mm-hmm. um, this person dressed in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, they chose to style themselves in a certain way for that photograph. Like what are the influences around mm-hmm. that? So, um, I mean, yes, you're looking, you're listening to the music and you're looking at the photo, but there's fashion and understanding who influenced that fashion Mm. and why do they decide, and even just asking questions of like the image that I'm seeing, why did they decide to do their hair in that Mm. way? Um, just like things like that. And so I think also by and large, I've also been really interested in, in just like questions around like beauty and desirability, because I think growing up, um, I never... People, I didn't see people like me on mass, me- like yeah. in mass media, who are considered beautiful. Mm. I think the standard of beauty, the way it was put to me or shown to me, was that you had to be white, yeah. with with long hair. I mean, no, or you either had to be very light skinned. Yeah. You know, that those like a certain standard, um, aesthetic. Yeah, aesthetic is better, um, yeah, and true. standard, yeah, mm. of what beauty was supposed to be. And so I think for me, just like this whole process of decolonizing has also meant decolonizing what i've considered beauty mm. to be and so through the hairstyles i've also been going that's been part of my process yeah. of like tangibly like decolonizing and like saying this is a way i'm engaging with my past mm. and i find this to be beautiful Oof. and not only is it just like beautiful there's so much meaning behind yeah. it it's not just a hairstyle it's not just you know. aesthetic no it's Thank not you. Yeah. yeah, it's not just that. So it's been a lot of fun. And I think even the conversations I've had while wearing those different hairstyles, mm. I mean, it's opened up conversations. If I'm in the supermarket, someone will stop me randomly. Or if I'm, if I'm walking on the yeah. road. And it's also felt nice to just talk with people, especially after coming from like COVID. Yeah, two years I mean, of not being that indoors. COVID is not, yeah, you know, Makes indoors. Sense, yeah. It's just nice to talk with people and to interact with people um, in person. So I think 
that's where the hairstyles have have have, have stemmed from yeah. i think by and large i think with all my work um it's just been a process of decolonizing yeah. um within myself yeah. um be it through music be it through beauty and adornment and um Okay, so Mm -hmm. in terms of decolonizing yourself, um, so obviously, one thing that we've learned in this episode is once you engage with history and you interact with your past self, then you're properly able to embrace who you are. As you said before, like you've been able to embrace like your African identity, and I think that in itself is decolonizing. Um, I feel like I'll have to do like an intro. Okay, basic decolonizing is basically an unlearning the colonized ways. So it's not only mm. like a physical thing where like we gained independence from the British uh, Empire, but then also like the the constant unlearning and relearning of philosophical, social, and political ways of thinking that ex- that have been entrenched via colonialism. And as you said, one of those well, mm. a very basic example of that could be beauty standards. How you said the white aesthetic was what everybody was told to get to. Either you have to be light skin. Aspire. Yeah, aspire to. Thank you. Yeah. So either you had to be light skin, have yeah. long hair, I don't know, have a proper chin. Wait, no, white people don't have proper yeah. chins. But hey, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so like, how has that process been in terms of. Well, one, I feel like your work is decolonizing musical history, Kenyan musical history, because then you're bringing to yeah. us a forefront, you're bringing to us details about music history that I feel got lost like in the 80s or like in the early mm. 2000s because well I don't yeah. want to get into the politics of Kenyan music but Kenyan music declined for a while and then it came back up mm. but there's such like mm. from what I've seen you post I'm like gosh there's, so, there's such a richness of history me I didn't even know like you talking about Fundi Konde me I'm like Kai the last time I had Fundi Konde was like when I was probably 5 years old like it's a name that's been in the background of your life yeah. And then you bring him to the forefront. Yeah. And I'm just like, what? Okay. And a bunch mm. of other different artists that you've done. I can't name all of them because I am horrible at remembering names. But <laughs> but my question is, um, in yeah. decolonizing all of that and getting in touch with your identity, yeah. why do you think it's yeah. important, like, what you're doing? Like, why do you think it's important for you to first decolonize yourself and then that becoming an extension yeah. of going out teach other people because Virgil Kenya is a very good resource to learn about history so no, not only are you teaching yourself mm. but you're teaching other people so why do you think that work is yeah. important I think it's important because I think um, first and foremost it's it's nourishing to your mm. soul I think first and foremost it's nourishing to your soul to know mm. where you come yeah. from and I think, like I said, once you know where you come from, no one can tell That's you anything. True. No one can come with you, come, come at you with some nonsense. No one can trick you yeah. or, um, like, blindside you mm. because you like you know, I know where you know, from. and so you'll be like, "Why are you coming yeah. at me with? Why this are you nonsense, chatting nonsense, please? please. Nonsense Why? plus ingredients. What's wrong with you?" <laughs> exactly, yeah. and so I think. First and foremost, that's why I think it's important. Mm. And then also I see kind of um, the importance of being able to, 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 okay, so I'll kind of use an example. I think I was in conversation with Tabo Susa, who mm. is the man behind Kettlebell Music. Kettlebell Music has been the, big, the biggest help, the biggest resource oh. as I've been doing my yeah. research. Because they've, they've been doing what I've been doing, but for a like a time. longer time, a longer period yeah. of time. Um, so I want to give them their flowers because they are amazing. <laughs> yeah. So um, when I was talking with him, he was just basically sharing like now in regards to like Nigerian mm. music. Because I mean, by and large, when people think of the continent and they think of music, it's like Nigerian music yeah. that stands mm. out. Um, and he says for them why they've been able to um, do so mm. well and have their music out there is because they've built upon like a legacy. Mm. So they had like juju music yeah. and then they have Afrobeat music, mm. which um, was pioneered by one of like, you know, like Felakuti Fel- yeah. is known. And so he built upon like his mm. past. And then like Burner Boy comes Building off and of he's Fela built Kuti. upon like Felakuti, yeah. who's like built on his past. So you see like there's that level of continuity. Mm. 
and so i think it's important also for um i think as a musician to know like okay this is who came before me and this is who came before them and i can learn from them and i can incorporate what they used to create what i want to create Mm. now i think it's just that level of continuity i think it also helps with kind of um just uh yeah, just like that level of continuity yeah, and just knowing that this is the legacy I carry with me and I can continue to to pass yeah. on. And, yeah. and I feel like yeah, once yeah. you have that understanding of the legacy, then you're better able to come up with what you want for the future. I feel like um, yes, a very yeah. basic thing in sociology is like you need to understand the past to interpret now and also to be able to define mm. the future. Like that's just a basic thing. If you're mm. a historian, if you're mm. a sociologist, if you're... Um, a psychology even basic psychology you need to understand where that person has been yeah. to yeah. be able to anal- like psychoanalyze the book well, psychoanalyze yes. you get what i'm saying yeah um yes and it's such a crucial thing and again like we within our african identities because of the interruption of colonialism into our cultures we've lost that mm. um and i think mm. like one really good example is what you said in the beginning about music it was such an extension of ourselves we didn't need to write it down we didn't need to no. um sit down and have books and books and books of like everything that's going on around us it was something that was yeah. it was transferred to us organically through how we interacted with one nature how we interacted with each other mm. how we interacted with our mm. elders our young like learning encapsulated the whole aspect of life if that makes sense yes. and so yeah. the very basic things of like where you've come from and where you're going was ingrained in you since day one um mm. and yeah i think that's really really beautiful and i'm so so glad that you've been able to come to that point of realization and then share it with other people yeah and i just wanted yeah. to reiterate that this you said in the beginning that um not in the beginning like a few minutes ago that yeah. <laughs> that um <laughs> you're, you're you're learning about yourself you're learning a lot about yourself as you're going through this process of researching about um kenyan music history and I just mm. wanted to say that one of the ideas, well, one of the core philosophies of this podcast is Ubuntu. And you know me, me yeah. I always talk about Ubuntu all the time. Any chance I get, I'll yeah. talk about it. Yeah. But Ubuntu is, yeah. is a South African, Southern African, well, Zulu word meaning I am because you are. And it, it's, mm. it's the, it encapsulates like the whole African philosophy of community, working together, comradeship, realizing yeah. that I'm nothing without yeah. other people. And realizing yes. the inter interconnectedness of everything and everyone as you said everything mm-hmm. is everything like we we mm-hmm. are so connected with everything that if you take away one thing you may very well d- like december 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 this that word disintegrate yeah. Um. The whole way that we live and interact in the world, and I just wanted to say that it's yeah. such a beautiful thing to see in your practice, where as much as you're learning about yourself, you're extending that to other people and enabling them to learn about them themselves, which is building community. Mm. Um. Which I think is the very mm. essence of Ubuntu, because you're realizing, wait, I can't just learn this by myself. I need to share it with other people. Yeah. And also, yeah. as you share it with other yeah. people, you end up knowing more. You end up learning more, and I guess growing yeah. even more. Which leads me to my other mm. question is, how do you feel this experience has influenced like your understanding of social political issues and how has it influenced your praxis mm. when it comes to social political issues? Mm. Yeah. I think for me, it's been really interesting to see how music by and large has been a conduit for um, social political movements and how... And it's it's really fun because you see for me as a musician as a creative, it's really fun to to understand um, politics and and social ways of being through yeah. music because a lot of this music by and large is created within a context yes. and a lot of those musicians spoke to that context that they mm. were they were living mm. in, and so I think for me it's it's understanding even like the song you know who can who can bogle me oh. you know by giddy giddy yeah. Mati Mati. Yes. Mati Mati. <laughs> <laughs> and like understanding the history behind that yeah. song i think i first came across the history behind that song through two early for birds um, you, you've, you've heard of like two early yeah. for birds that this like really great amazing 
um, yeah. a storytelling group mm. who puts on productions on like Kenyan oh, history. Nice. So I came and I think I went for one of their first um, productions mm-hmm. and I and I heard that song and I was like, what? This song was like based on like people rebelling against Moi, like Moi's regime. Coup. Yeah, that and, was like the yeah. song. That was the anthem for the coup. That was like yeah. the, yeah. You know, and I'm sorry, like, just, what? Just, 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 it's a, it reminds me like, you know how during BLM protests, Kendrick Lamar's All Right song was like the anthem. People were singing that as they were protesting. Mm. Like, we're going to be all right. Mm. Yeah. So it's kind of like the same yeah. context. It was the song. Yeah. It it was, it was the, the song. song and also when you listen to the song it emboldens you it gives you some boldness you're just yeah. like yeah who can bold yeah. with me who <laughs> exactly okay. exactly and then i mean i remember growing up singing it when i was like what i like see yeah. i don't know i was young and that's how eh, this is such a cool yeah. song but like now getting older and like reala- um Ooh. realizing the context within that what like what that song yeah. is really great. Um, I think for me, it's also been a way to kind of um, understand um, how a lot of systems in Kenya have not changed. Mm. I mean, by and large, I think we still live in a very um, colonized way of being. Even just like understanding like segregation yeah. in, in Nairobi. Mm. And seeing also how music was segregated in regards to who was allowed to enjoy music in certain spaces and who was allowed in certain spaces Mm. and kind of seeing and seeing how that plays out today in regards to um, just like how people occupy spaces or who's allowed to occupy Mm. certain spaces just based on um, either maybe class class or... um, yeah, just, you know, just all yeah. that. So um, I'm still learning yeah. and I'm still trying to connect the dots and still very much a student mm. of of understanding music, especially um, social, politically. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's really interesting because, sorry, excuse me, because um, in uh, you've mentioned how like in uh, how Nairobi was built like the segregation that exists in Nairobi yeah. and this is something I always tell people yeah. around here like I'm like Nairobi was built for segregation we have yeah Nairobi was not built for people Nair- like uh, like for no, black it people wasn't. it was not no it wasn't yeah so there's like you know like there's a whole how there are different parts of Nairobi where you'll find go and find just purely the Indian community you go to parts of Nairobi where you mm. find purely the white community you go to parts of Nairobi and you'll find yeah. out like the black community as well and obviously that yeah. has changed and morphed over the years because of um, ever since we gained independence. But those lines are still there because the white people mm. were replaced by rich black people. The the Indians mm. were also were replaced by middle class black people. Um, mm. But mm. very much so those, those vestiges still exist and you'll still see them. And it's funny because it directly mm. translates to music in terms of like right now, the diff- okay, let's talk about Ke- the Kenyan music scene now. Let's try and interlink history with now. Um, and yeah. looking at, I feel like this is a long shot, but this is the way my brain works. So bear with me. Okay. Um, so I okay. don't know if you've read this book called Dance of the Jacaranda by, what's this author called? I have. Yeah. It was a really hard read for really? me. Peter Kimani. Yes, Peter is, Kimani. This, is it Peter yeah. Kimani? I just didn't get into it. Maybe I was just not in this. Face I was meant to be in when I read Probably. it. I have read okay. it though, but continue with what so you're saying. So one of the characters is an Indian boy, and I remember specifically mm. he used to hang out. He was a singer. He was a musician. He used to go for Mugidi nights yeah. in Nakuru, and yeah. I think what something that really imp- fascinated me about that book is how Mugidi. We all know what Mugidi is. Okay, Mugidi for non-English. I mean, it's non-Swahili. Strange. Well, Kikuyu speakers. It's not even Swahili. <laughs> go through the three different languages in my okay. <laughs> um but yeah for Nanswahili speak at ah, Kikuyu speakers Mogidi means train um and yeah. the very way we dance Mogidi is like you literally just create a train and you dance yeah. <laughs> at any Kikuyu any, function if there's no Mogidi wh- what are you doing ah is that even it's a like waste a, of time is, what are you doing <laughs> actually you're failed yeah. you're failed the functions, papa, <laughs> So, yeah, so, like, the whole Mogili concept and how this, the Indian character, I forget his name, but the Indian character, you would go to the local pub and then he'd dance Mogili, which is basically the music that he'd play. 
would end up in a Murivi dancing style thing. And obviously, it's very because yeah. it's the book is set in Nakuru, and obviously the train had a big um, influence on Nakuru becoming a town because mm. it went through Nakuru as it headed towards Kampala, which is a whole other topic. I don't wanna, I don't want to talk about the, the train and everything, but I just wanted to say how yeah. we express music today in terms of like the different classes that exist. So right now you can tell what music is coming from which classes, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, mm. like, I don't know if you know this, but Brooklyn, Buru, like Buru Buru Boys, Brooklyn Boys, mm. released an album. Mm. And mm. I think it's the first, like, mm. proper Kenyan drill album. And mm. the very history of drill is interesting in itself. Like, we all know it came from black Americans, and then it's just, like, exploded into the rest of the world. Like, the other day, I was listening mm. to Australian drill. I'm like, what the hell? You guys have Australian ah. drill? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> the other day on Twitter, there was yeah. like Italian drill as well. I'm like, damn, guys, ah. okay. <laughs> but yeah, so you have like from, and I, I, I don't want, I'm, not, I don't want to say this in like a, from a privileged perspective, but like from a purely, I guess, sociological perspective. If you look at the different, um, classes that exist, you'll see music comes from very specific places in those classes. So like Saudi soul, we'd say like middle class music, even though they, they they're able to express the different... Okay, I wouldn't say they're able to express, but they appeal to all classes. Majority of the people who listen to them are from the middle class. But if you look at Brooklyn Boys, mm. majority of the people who listen to them are from the lower classes. People from Buruburu... Okay, not to say mm. that people from Buruburu are like lower middle class, like, but they're like the lower middle class and towards the working class. So they're from like literally mm. the hood, um, which is the mm. west of Nairo- uh, the east of Nairobi, sorry. Um, and, and then you have music like Gengetun, purely working class people, people who come. And these people, when they record their music, they literally record it in a shanty, but it comes out, it blows up, mm. and people love mm. it. Um, and mm. and and then you look at, like, music that Kina Zinia Manasseh are releasing, Kina Karun, Karen, Karen, Karun, Karun, that one. And then, I think it just blows my mind how music is still so segregated like it's so hard for you to be able mm. to see i don't know someone like zinyamana say go and sing with i don't know miracle baby from not miracle baby from that those guys sailors you remember sailors Wamlambes, Wamnyonyes, those guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting i feel like that's such an interesting relationship um and every now and then yeah. you do see like apparently kahush released a song this yesterday or a few days ago with some some guys from the east of Nairobi, I can't remember what they're called, and this is mm. my own ignorance, I'll, I'll mm. aim that, I'll take that, but like, it's just so interesting, yeah. because even in your, like, your your archiving of Kenyan history, I'm just like, this mm. music back in the 80s was so, it encapsulated what it was like to live in, in a Nairobi that was, one, everyone was just like, cold, because of the Moi mm. era, you're like, I don't know, I don't, mm. but still people mm. expressed, still people found yeah. ways of even addressing the social political issues and a brilliant example of that would be the song Bogumi. Um mm. and yeah, so I don't know where I was gonna go with this but it's just I just find it really, really interesting that there's that yeah. yeah. That crisis history still carries on. Yeah. Like you said, like what happened in the past by and large is like continued with what happens yeah. today. Yeah. And then also the intersect between creativity, music and history. Well, creativity, I feel like mm. music falls under create any form of creativity. Shoot me if I'm wrong, but mm. yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's just really, really beautiful seeing, yes, as you said, history continuing, the story of our existence as Kenyans continuing. Like the continuation is there if you sit down and you actually, mm. and that's what you're doing. You sit down and you critically analyze the history that's there, and then you're like, wow. Yeah. There's like a continuation. They're all interlinking. Yeah. There's a story. There's a narrative being built. Yeah. Um, which leads yeah. me to the question. Do yeah. you feel like the type of work that you are doing will yeah. create spaces for people like... Well, actually, no, for you. Let me just ask you for you personally. Do you feel like you'd mm. ever end up creating music um, like the likes of Felakuti and Nina Simone who built off of the history that existed and then... yeah created music that was not only socially conscious but also very culturally conscious so it appeals to the masses mm. it's something that they can listen to to feel like yeah. hey, and yeah that's home like and yeah that's kenyan yeah. music like yo that's hitting the yeah, spot yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like right now if you hear the saxophone on felakuti you will know that's a felakuti saxophone yeah 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 
<laughs> so like um yeah. personally for you do you feel like your creative process will lead you to that or where do you see yourself going and anyway this this does isn't mm. set in stone that can change wherever we yeah so yes yeah um i guess never say never i think right now like i said right now i'm in a space where my music is for is for mm. me so um i don't know i don't know if i would want i think even as i was entering university mm. i think my goal for music was to like teach mm. i think that's what i wanted to do i think for me music was never to be a performing artist or anything mm. like that i think music was always was part of being a conduit to like teaching and engaging in that space um so i don't know never say Mm. never who knows like 50 years from now i could be like now i want to become a performing artist and this is how (laughs) but the thing is i can't Um, i can imagine you being a performing artist but also at the same time i can't because i feel like i've only seen you i feel like you always work in the background when it yeah. comes to music but one day one day we shall see i'm speaking it into existence who knows who knows <laughs> but like if i can provide like a space yeah. with like the information that i'm sharing for other people to be like oh okay mm. then i want to build something from this information that i'm yeah. learning which is beautiful um, yeah and create like socially conscious politically um political yeah. music then by and large i think i'm like Go for mm. it. Go for mm. it. Mine is to share as I learn. Um, I'm glad. Yeah. Um, one question I have, I hope this, hopefully this will be the mm-hmm. last question, is did you ever see Virgil Kenya turning into what it is today in the sense that, like, me personally, when I started following it, I was like, hey, okay, she's doing Kenyan music. I don't know much, so surely mm. much, much must, must not exist out there. Then, as you yeah. continued building up, I was like, "Wow, this girl is just finding me." So, what? Who are these? Who are these, who are these people? <laughs> Who's this musician? What is this? Like, it just kept on building up and building up and building up. And one thing I really like about yeah. you is obviously you have yeah. the knowledge of like revolutionary thinking and wanting to change things politically. So you've been able mm. to supplement like your archiving with, like the other day you were to- okay, not the other day, but like a few months ago you were talking about. Um, female musicians and their role in the revolution and i'm mm. like damn okay it just keeps going and going and going so yeah. like how has that process been because i feel like you opened the lead kiasi you saw oh interesting then as you continued opening you're just like whoa there's such a wealth of knowledge yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tell me how that has been like how that has been like first and foremost i think my one thing I've always wanted for Veja Kenya is for it also not to be constrained mm. by like borders mm. because borders are an imperial concept, mm. and you know, that's a it's, colonial it's not a concept, that, <laughs> yeah. It is, it is, and music by and large transcends mm, borders, it does. so I always have wanted um, the work as much as it is um, for Kenyans for it to also be connected to. Um, Africans on the mm. continent as well as like black people in, in the diaspora yeah. and just kind of provide like those links because I think it's really important to to have those kind of like conversation mm. and to open like that to ha- just like be aware of like nuances mm. like it's not just it's not just Kenyan music there's so much that has fed yeah. into Kenyan music being the way mm. it is um, and then, of course, there's also the concept of like women in these spaces, cause I'm, cause I'm a woman. Mm. Oh, okay. And I also want to see myself. <laughs> what a chance, you know, you know. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> surprise. <laughs> Bet you didn't know. Bet you couldn't guess. <laughs> but um, I also want to see myself like represented in the yeah. archive in in some sense. Um, and there's. I've noticed that there's tended to be kind of like a silence mm. um, in regards to women occupying um, spaces, his, these spaces historically. Mm. Um, so even with that like strand of research that I was doing um, about women who used, whose music was, was, was revolutionary mm-hmm. and whose lives, the way they lived was just basically um, by their own like they dictated for themselves what they wanted their lives to yeah. be like it was not um because they were forced it's they they were true to who mm. they were and i think that was an inspiration for me and so i think um one thing that um 
where was even this question? What is your question again? My I'm question, trying to like circle back yeah, to the question. So much, okay, the question was, yeah, so where do you see yourself in terms of the work that you're doing? Yeah. Because you created you opened such a big a plethora of different avenues to go. Yeah. So where do you yeah. see it going? Yeah, so where with all these yeah. strands of research and, and interest. I think one thing I'm learning is, is to just trust the process mm. as I go as I go mm. along. That's the honest answer. Okay. That's that's what I can tell you. Because I think I would hope that um my space would also become a physical space of some mm. sort. But it would also tie into like indigenous communities yeah. who have still kept like their traditional music mm. practices mm. um and in a sense be able to partner with those communities and supporting mm. them and being able to to share what they're doing i mean even people who create traditional musical instruments um being able to highlight who those people are and being able to you know have people who can learn under them just kind of like support the work that's already going through music yeah. i think i would want my work to transcend me by and large i would want it to like have a life a beautiful life on its own mm. without it necessarily being attached to me and so i think right now it's just about like taking one day at a time trusting um trusting that things will come clear become clear as, as i you know take each step yeah. forward um, but yeah, just always hoping that um, I I work with the archive with lots of love, mm. with lots care. of with lots of care, yeah. with honesty. Yeah. Um, I think I've learned a lot from from different people mm. um, about how to interact with the archive, with how to just interact with the archive and care for the archive and yeah. love the archive. Um, oh. And yeah, I think just it being like my act of service in a yeah. sense um like your act of bringing so yeah, back I think into I the just, community t- yeah yeah that's yeah. really that's really really profound yeah. um and yeah. this is a, just another question that I've, I've just that's just come up into my head popped up into my head come um, ask, <laughs> and it's about like how what community have you built in the archiving process like the history process because as you've said like mm. you're not the only one doing this work like i could name you a plethora of other yeah. people who are either doing it through books um through actual history how has that process yeah. been like building that community of uh, like-minded people yeah it's it's been really it's been really easy i would say in a mm. sense because i think it's easy to connect with people when your passions are aligned mm. and you kind of have the same like focus mm. um i would want to mention um chow tayana oh Chao-tayana yes the headstrong historian um, <laughs> yes such um oh my goodness i'm so honored to be able to call her a friend yeah. and a mentor because she had, i think i've learned so much mm. from her about what it means to um engage with the archive what it means to be a woman navigating this space um and she does it with such like um grace Mm. and such tenderness Mm. and i and it's been really lovely being in communion with her in that regard another person Mm. who i've learned a lot from is um ethel tower um i think her instagram handle is art of Mm -hmm. ethel i've heard of her uh, art of ethel yeah she's such a brilliant individual Mm. and so i think she's also added a lot to um understanding what it means to look at images from the Mm. archive and what it means to understand um just like the history behind like photography um, is she the one who goes around taking pictures of ethiopians no, it's not. No, her. she's not. Okay, never mind. Oops. No. <laughs> Go on. <Yeah. laughs> um, but she's also really challenged me um, in regards to just critical mm. thinking around images and what that's been like. Mm. Um, I know there's some. Um, there's Paulina of an ode to high life who's doing similar work oh. to what I'm doing, but now with Ghanaian high life wow. music and she's such a lovely lovely person Mm. as well and so it's i think i've also been really blessed Mm. to have 
good like solid people yeah. who i've been able to be in communion with as i'm doing this work and, and who i'm able to learn from because yeah i'm not a solo act please <laughs> people there's so much there's a community that has informed who i yeah. am what i do i'm not i'm not just a woo a one woman <laughs> hit wonder whatever I, don't, I am <laughs> i am i am yeah my work is firmly based and guided by the people i've been in 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 conversation yeah. and communion yeah. with that's so wonderful and that that again in mm. itself is like the beauty of community the beauty of realizing the mm. interconnectedness of things like um yeah. Tati- tatiana chow i hope I'm, i think i'm just called her the headstrong historian like she's kenyan yeah. and then now you have yeah. the other lady that you mentioned ethereal yeah i'm assuming she's not kenyan yeah. that doesn't sound like a kenyan name no she's 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 Cameroon, Cameroon, she's from Cameroon, yeah. but she's based yeah. in different places around so, the world. But, and yeah. then also your Ghanaian friend as well. So like seeing the interlinkedness yeah. and interconnect uh, interconnectedness, English, of yeah. everyone. <laughs> and it, it's such a beautiful testimony as well that you have that community around you. As you said, it is such a blessing and it's so, so beautiful seeing that blessing supplement itself in your work and like the type of work that you do. Because mm. I feel like that's a voice... Mm. Again, who would ever have thought you could archive history through music or music? You could archive musical history. Yeah. But here we are, and we're <laughs> learning so much. As you said, like the one thing we yeah. both learned is like the song Gidi Gidi Maji Maji. What? Yes, the song that Gidi Gidi Maji Maji did. And Boga Boga. Yeah, the <laughs> I thought the title of the song was Gidi Gidi Maji Maji. That's why I was like, what? <laughs> I no. did it. Yeah. Um, it's such a beautiful like testimony of why it's important to work within community. Because if it wasn't mm. for too early for birds, you wouldn't have known that. Well, you would have, but it would have taken you yeah. probably a different, a longer time yeah. to know that. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I'm so glad that you've shared that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, to wind up the episode, which is, this is so foolish. Yes. We should have asked this in the beginning. What does eh? Wejo Kenya mean? <laughs> All right, right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I didn't even, even this name. I didn't. It didn't come from me. It came from my lovely, wonderful friend Sam Combo. Oh. So I think I've been toying with this like idea of this like like I said, archiving through mm. um, you know Kenyan music history, and I was like, eh, hey, I need a name for this work. Um, and so this, I was still in university at this mm. time, and so I went. Sam was my neighbor, mm. so like I went to his door. It was like nine in the in the night. Mm. I'm like. Sam, I have this funny. idea. Can you give me a name? <laughs> I need, I need a name. Like now, now before this idea disappears. Like, no. <laughs> um, and so like we sat and then we discussed and I'm like, I need a name that like kind of like encapsulates like music for the people mm. of Kenya because that's what where Joe Kenya mm. mean, means. It means music for the people mm-hmm. of Kenya. And he was like, Yo, I think this name would work. But let me call my mom to like double oh. check. Um, cause it's, it's a Luo, it's a, it's a Luo yeah. word. So he, we called his mom and the mom was like, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. it means this. And we're like, boom, we move. So even the name, you see, even the yeah. name, it was like brought forth in communities. So yeah, that's what it means. It means music for the people of oh. Kenya. Man, Marimo, yeah. thank you so much. I feel like you've hit all the tick, tick boxes. I didn't mention this in the beginning <laughs> of the episode, but again, the idea for this podcast is I call it the three yeah. U's. It's Ubunifu, which is creativity, mm. the name of the podcast. And the work that you're doing is already creative yeah. in itself. Um, and then Ubuntu, Same. interlinking with other people and and building mm. community and interacting in that community and growing in that community. And then the last one mm. is Ujama, comradeship, working with people, arm, mm. arms in arms. Yeah. Um, this is more like political practice, yeah. praxis, but still, it, it makes the yeah. same. It, 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 I feel like they all greatly interlink to encapsulate who we are as people mm. and then mm. being able to you know share that knowledge with people as you're learning you're sharing it with other people and it's such a such a, such a beautiful mm. testament so yeah. yeah thank you so much thank you for having me this is so much fun i even felt like it was just us having like a regular conversation, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you know just like la di da di da so thank you so much for having for hosting and creating such a warm oh, space I'm glad. Um, thank you so and for asking such lovely well, questions even though well. they're long-winded i need to work on you're that you're great at this <laughs> Actually, what did you say? you're great at this i am yeah oh. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that should be edited in, edited out but we'll see <laughs> 
Yeah. Don't edit it out. <laughs> Me, I'm forgiving you your flowers, oh. and you must. Other people must be witness to you getting and receiving oh, your flowers. Thank you so so, much. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much, Remo. Thank you so much for also the work that you're doing. It is crucial. It is important, and I hope this gives you. I hope this this is a place where a lot of you listeners will listen to this and realize, oh wow, there are people doing this work and it's amazing and you should support them. Go give Wajo Kenya a follow. Warimo mm. um, has been kind enough to share uh, resources with me, so you will find them on the link description. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's 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 it for the episode. I have nothing else to say. Warimo, do you have anything to add? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I'm just really grateful to be able to yeah to be here. And to share space with you in this way. Yeah. And that brings us to the end of our very first episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you listened to, please do not hesitate to leave a review on whatever streaming platform that you're using. If you didn't like what you listened to, it's okay. Leave a review regardless. Your criticism is much appreciated. If you have any questions or any concerns or anything you want to share, do contact us via email. And the email is host at obudifupodcast.co.ke. A special thank you to the producers of this episode who are myself, Steve Babu and Victor Minor. And a special shout out to Steve Babu for producing the sound that you listen to every single time in the intro and outro. Take care of yourselves. Goodbye.